You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, politics, security, and more. I'm Jeff Rafke, president of the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Well, delighted to have with us as our guest today, Johannes Vogel. Johannes, welcome. Thanks for having me. For our listeners, Johannes is, uh, well, he holds a number of different functions. He is the deputy chairman of the uh, Free Democratic Party, uh, the uh, the liberal, liberal in a European sense, uh, uh, party in Germany, which is a member of the governing coalition. He is also the chief whip in the Bundestag, uh, which means he is involved in just about everything that goes <laughs> uh, that goes through the, the Bundestag. Uh, and so it's great to have you with us and uh, also great to do this in person because most of our podcasts have been done remotely for a long time. Uh, our, our theme today is Germany and systemic competition with China and Russia. Um, and, and so I thought we might dive in, but I want to start in a way in 2014, not because that was the Russian, the first Russian invasion of Ukraine, but something we talked about earlier, 2014, you found yourself in Beijing. Right. Um, how did that come about? Well, I was, um, 31 years old, um, at a crossroads of my life some somehow because um i was um i my first time my first term in parliament i was very young i was elected with 27 um being the president of the youth organization young liberals young free democrats um and ended up as a very young man in the bundestag um i didn't plan that but um it was obviously a great time i learned how the parliament functions but i also learned how you create a total disaster with your party <laughs> uh, because my party the free democrats long term governing party in germany part of the well, institutions, I'd say, in the Bundesrepublik after Second World War was first time kicked out of parliament. Um, and I was, yeah, in the situation, well, I had to take some or make some very important decisions, uh, which of the job offers I want to offer, what I want to do with my life. Do I want to continue my political engagement? Um, do I want to be active in politics or was it a phase and now I'm doing something completely different? And a good friend of mine uh, made an intervention and said, well, uh, before you take these decisions, travel. Mm -hmm. go go abroad bring some distance between you and germany and think about it and and i followed that advice uh, and ended up in beijing uh, at a friend of mine who had a he was at a for as an expert for daimler there so he had a one of these large expert packages flats with a you know there, there, there was you, a you were not roughing it no this was okay but th there was a um a guest room with a, a bathroom and i could go there um and i liked the distance uh, and i always wanted to spend some time in china i started to learn chinese i did I think five, six hours a day, uh, Chinese 101 course. So it was, yeah. was heavy. Um, and I, I, of course, learned how to how it is to live in China, at least in Beijing, in the capital, 2014. And after three months, around three months, I came back to Europe and uh, okay. got on with my life. So now we fast forward to 2022. Mm -hmm. And it's a very different conversation that's happening uh, in Germany. Um, uh, why is that? You know what is at stake for Germany, and why is the conversation different now than it was in 2014? Well, first of all, I think um, the nature of the Chinese regime, the Chinese system of government, changed fundamentally 
I mean, 2014, Xi Jinping was already in power, but it was his early years. And I think we have to understand. And some people across the West, but especially also in Germany, well, are only beginning to understand how fundamentally I think the system um, under Xi Jinping changed. How you can see it these days after the um, the party, uh, party Congress. Congress. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was an all out wipeout of everybody not in Xi's team. Yeah. Um, he changed uh, nearly everything which was sacred. For example, no leader is longer in power than two terms after yeah. Mao. Um, and now he's changing everything. He, he totally changes the system from loyal from from merit based to loyalty based i'd say um it's a way more autocratic system today and we are in a systemic competition with a um with these this system i think this systemic competition is as deep as difficult as the cold war it's different than than the cold war that's why we have to find new strategies yeah. but it's as deep and as different as dangerous as the cold war in some ways, um, you might forgive me for saying it's surprising that it's taken this long for yeah. the German political system to grapple with these changes, because it was almost four years ago that the main industrial organization um, in Germany, the BDI, yeah. released a very critical and sobering report about, um, as they put it, um, the the Chinese state-controlled economy and its implications for the German economic model. Mm -hmm. So why has it taken this long for the German political system to pick up those ideas and to, and to have now a, a, a much more thorough discussion? about Germany's interests? Well, in a way, I'm the wrong to ask because I'm asking this myself for a long time. <laughs> As a young politician in the opposition, I was pushing the issue. Um, we have to implement a new China strategy. We have to understand what's going on. We have to act accordingly for quite some time now. But I think the BDE from the... Well, important organizations, they were the first ones to, with an open, with a clear language. Um, and, and afterwards, the European Commission came out with their strategy right. paper, um, I think rightly stating that China is both. It, it We have economic ties and it will stay that way. Um, they are a partner when it comes to global questions like climate change, but they also are a systemic competitor of the dangerous kind. Um, and I'm asking myself, why did, did, our, did it take us so long? Perhaps there was a mm, modus operandi of politics uh, involved because mm -hmm. I think in the Merkel years, um, long-term thinking regarding the foreseeable megatrends we're facing um, wasn't the modus operandi of politics. Uh, and now we see how problematic what that was when it comes, for example, to Russia, mm -hmm. energy dependence on Russia, the nature of Putin. Yes. Um, and that's, I think, the turning point for China. At least it has to be, and it can be. Mm -hmm. And so... It's implicit in what you've said, but if we can draw this out, this is about Germany's and the European interest and how it has to react to changing circumstances in China. I don't want to put words in your mouth, mm. but the reason I ask it that way is sometimes um, I notice that in Germany, people try to suggest that that this debate about China is only happening because the United States is forcing it to happen. Mm. That we are somehow trying to drag Europe or Germany 
onto our side in some kind of new confrontation. Mm. Um, but what I think uh, I hear you saying is that this is about the way changes in China affect Germany and Europe. It's not well, about us. Yeah, yes, of course. Um, I mean, there's sometimes a slight sentiment of anti-Americanism in the German debate. I think we have to see that very clearly i'm i'm a total opponent of that but it's real like all over the world it happens and um i think everybody who says today well it's just americans who want to pull us into a conflict of there and it's not our problem but perhaps the same people were telling it's just americans who want to sell their uh, fracking gas uh, when they warn us about Nord Stream 2. I mean, the warning was right. Right. Um, so I think we have to start, well, let's put it that way. We have to grow up um, and look the reality of the 21st century in the eyes uh, and to play our role and to realize what does it mean for us as Europeans. Mm -hmm. And that's also, also already part of the answer. I think Germany can't do that alone. Of course, we have to do it as Europeans. We have to speak with one voice. We have to act um, together when it comes to China, um, not only as Europeans, as Westerners, as the global West, I'd like to put it, so the community of free market democracies. And I think one of the problems we have is that we don't implement strategies together. Yeah. But the first step is to realize it, 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 well, it's important for everybody who cares about um, freedom and liberties, who, who believes that freedom is um, indivisible when it comes to economic uh, uh, and political freedoms. Um, and everybody who believes in that, I deeply believe in that, um, has to care about the fundamental problems who are coming out of the existence of this totally different system Xi Jinping is setting up. <laughs> we'll come to the content and uh, and the uh, participation in uh, a strategy like you uh, discussed. But but before we get to that, it, where, where is the discussion centered now in Germany um, uh, when it comes to China? There are several issues out there. Of course, uh, in the last few days, we are speaking on October 25th, 2022. There has been a lot of discussion about a an investment by uh, mm -hmm. the uh, Chinese state company Costco in, the, uh, in a terminal at the port of Hamburg. There's ongoing discussion about Huawei and mm -hmm. the 5G network in Germany. Of course, Chancellor Scholz will be making his first uh, trip mm -hmm. as chancellor to uh, to Beijing uh, very soon, in a matter of a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And so what are the issues that are most important right now in the China discussion in Germany, Johannes? Well, I, I'd say um, the most important issues in reality, perhaps not in the debate, but in reality and parts in the debate is, of course, what are our dependencies? Um, when it comes to um, the dependence of um, German companies, when it comes to the uh, Chinese market, what are our dependencies when it comes to um, supply chain, important products, especially security relevant products? How is China's influence in Europe? for example, by buying ports, <laughs> um, and what are they trying to do? Um, uh, and I think what kind of specific security questions um, are our questions too? Uh, what, are, what is our role when it comes to freedom 
um, of navigation missions in the Pacific? What is our role when it comes to Taiwanese freedom? And so th th that is also a dimension. And I think um, when it, when we talk about the, the first questions, the economic dependencies, it's also part of the solution and also part of the question, um, what can we do? How can we implement a beyond China strategy, how I would put it, um, which reduces the dependencies by doing more trade and investments among and across the like-minded countries. So these are the dimensions I definitely we definitely have on the table. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps there are even new, even new ones coming up I didn't mention. Yeah. Um, I think that last one kind of falls under this uh, 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 phrase, friend shoring. And, yeah. and so we'll come yeah. back to that. In, in, but first, much better than decoupling, I'd say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, decoupling <laughs> yeah. sort of a, uh, kind of sets me off because you know, nobody in the United States is seriously talking about decoupling mm -hmm. from China. Mm. Sometimes I notice in the German political discussion, people suggest that the United States is mm. pushing for a decoupling um, and uh, and and you know nothing could be further from the truth. I think what is really under discussion is what are the strategic um, uh, you know, heights of a modern economy mm -hmm. that we need to be careful do not fall uh, into a dependency mm -hmm. on a country that doesn't share our values and is therefore kind of unpredictable. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What is? I think we 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 that's when we start of the debate, and we don't don't do that this yet in Europe, um, uh, and also not in Germany. What is security relevant? I mean, um, of course, I have dependencies in a way that, for example, some areas of the German economy, some specific companies in the German economy, perhaps are very, I'd say, too dependent on the Chinese market. Mm -hmm. This is one issue. But the other issue is where do we want to allow a so fundamentally different regime who has total control about every, I mean, all private companies in China are or are potentially tools Mm -hmm. uh, potential tools of the of the of the regime. Of course, they are. And, uh, we have to see that very clearly. And where do we want their influence, and where not? What is secure, security relevant for us? Is it uh, critical infrastructure? I'd say yes. Yeah. Is it, of course, the the the, the mobile networks, five uh, G and four G also? Um, of course. Um, is it? Um, uh, are there what other products or 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 um, infrastructure we want them in or not? We have to we have to define that, and that that process hasn't started. We have to start it, jump start it now. You've you've called for a stress test. I think, yeah, that's the what phrase I mean. you used yeah, for yeah. critical infrastructure. I think this this uh, phrase only works in German. That's why I did. Well, I, I, but I think it. if you look yeah. at the banking industry yeah, and right. uh, and the Basel regulations yeah. and so forth, I think that's a, a that's what. A, I mean concept. by the stress test. Yeah. And should that be a German stress test? Should that be an EU stress test? Like how, should, how, should, how should German no, it, political leaders look at this task? I think it should be EU. I think everything we do regarding China, we, have to sh we should do and we have to do as Europeans. But of course, Germ I mean, given the nature of the um, European Union, Germany has some influence. <laughs> yes. Uh, so um, if we want that, uh, want this, and if we push this, it's, it's happening. Uh, and that's what, what we should do. Now, to come back to these dependencies, um, 
as you as you said, not all dependencies are equally grave. Um, yeah. Some of them have strategic implications, and others uh, don't. Um, there's also a question of you know Germany, if I could offer this observation, is extremely focused on stability in general mm-hmm. uh, in its politics and in its external economic relationships, um, and we're in a period of of great potential instability, which mm. I think generates a lot of uh, political um, uh, anxiety. Um, there's a question of symmetry um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think Germany's economic relationships with China arose at a time when it was understood that China needed Germany. Mm. China needed German technology, German manufacturing know-how, um, or simply German products. Mm-hmm. That's changing. Um, so how do you think about these questions of symmetry or asymmetry? Um, uh, and again, if these are not just European issues, mm. who's in this club that should be thinking about these things together? I think not only democracies, right? Right. Um, like every competitor to the Chinese economy. Uh, but of course, I do care most about uh, like the, the, the countries that share our fundamental values. Um, and just as a little side note, I don't know if we have the time. Um, I think it's one problem um, is that, of course, strategy um, has something to do with structure. Mm-hmm. Who's making strategies under what in what and under what structure because NATO for example as an organizational structure is the framework the umbrella under the transatlantic west defines themselves as a political destiny sharing group I was searching for the right phrase in, in English um, and as a, as a community who has uh, has to share a strategy and implement a strategy together for decades now yeah um, we don't have this organizational structure when it comes to something we perhaps could call the global west I wouldn't use that phrase very intensively because it could sound different crazy in Pacific ears, but as the global community of uh, free market democracies. And I mean, obviously, there is one. Obviously, the European Union, USA, Canada, and countries like at least Japan, South Korea, um, Australia, Australia, New Zealand, perhaps Malaysia one day. Um, India? Perhaps India. Perhaps, but at least um, uh, the, 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 the group I mentioned earlier, um, they should do this together. Um, and there is no organizational framework for that. Not yet. I mean, the Biden administration put the idea of make, make a, of implementing a, um, a, a conference of these countries, but it right. hasn't happened yet. Um, so at least bringing them together on some occasions, I'd say to find somehow a kind of organizational framework um, to do this together would be the start. It's a fundamental part of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, but perhaps I'm, I, I, I moved away from your question. Well, no, yeah. no. I, I, th- I think uh, that's the Not beauty of having a conversation <laughs> that lasts more than two minutes. You can yeah. go in a few different directions. Um, so you've identified this gap, and you've also talked about the need for long-term thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, think, I think this is an example of it. Long-term thinking has to be buttressed by short-term actions. Um, and that is where I would maybe turn to Russia. Um, 
do you think the situation uh, in in Germany in terms of recognizing and responding to a challenge is better in that regard? Do you feel yeah. optimistic when you look at uh, what Germany uh, has has done uh, yes. in the eight months since Russia invaded Ukraine this time? Well, um, yes, um, it's a horrible development um, what happens on European soil. But um, one posit- if there are positive sides, one would be that it's a no-brainer now. Uh, what what kind of guy Putin is, um, and what problem it is that we we were naive, um, at least not strategic, mm-hmm. um, when uh, when it came to, came to Putin. Um, and today, in every normal meeting I have uh, in my constituency, to ordinary people at a in the queue waiting for um waiting for in a shopping queue or in a political rally mm-hmm. it's a no brainer um and that was totally different a year ago so you're confident that the german public is ready to to bear serious hardship because of the principles at stake in ukraine well i have to say that russian propaganda is very active and very powerful and of course they try to poison the minds uh, and hearts of Germans by setting up uh, disinformation like the problem is not Putin, the problem is not that he uses gas as a weapon, the problem is the West with his sanctions. Of course, that is a, a like, like, we, like in all Western democracies, I think uh, Russian and perhaps even one day Chinese propaganda is relevant and we have to be, be get better to um, educate people to realize that, to, um, to, to see when they are turned or try to turn when there's disinformation going on. And of course, that is a problem, but I, I'm absolutely confident um, that mm-hmm. that's not a majority phenomenon and will not be. Um, it's more that we have to um, focus on how to solve the energy problem now. Of course, there is, um, as, as part of the actual government or part of the parliamentary group um, supporting the actual government, of course, I'd say that, uh, like always, when there is an acute, cri- acute yeah. crisis, as you, even if, you, if the former, the previous government uh, is to blame. You are the one who are is, you are the ones who are blamed. Um, <laughs> when it, and of course the solution you can't solve any problem. There are some problems, for example, energy dependency. You can't solve from one day to the other um, to the other. So um, that's a problem. But I don't think that there will be a majority of Germans think that um, or change their new position and their realization of the nature of Putin over that i don't think mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay all right well on what that... we have to work on um if i may add that of Please. course that um to build a um climate neutral as the goal but also affordable um, um energy supply uh, on a price level that um, guarantees us economic and industrial success in the future. Um, and of course, perhaps that's a combination of the two issues, we were to, we were to, topics we were talking about. Uh, also in the, in the systemic competition with China, it, the, the, the fundamental basis for everything is economic success. We have to be innovative and we, we don't right. have to we have to do it in the ways where we play out the strength of free societies, diversity, 
the, the diversity of talents, um, the innovation that comes out of um, bottom-up creativity only in in um, free that exists only in free societies. But um, I spent this afternoon, for example, to learn some new facts about the size um, of the in Chinese investment in AI, AI capabilities uh, across the board. Right. Um, and of course, I think we have to grab our shit together uh, and well, gain some speed um, because if we are not economic successful, if innovation isn't on our side, in the long term, you're always um, uh, on the losing side. Yeah. Well, I think that gives us a sense of focus of the challenges ahead of us. And I think of the commitment that I believe is shared in the United States as well to work as closely as possible with our European friends and partners and more broadly, as you said, um, uh, this is not only a transatlantic um, set of challenges. Um, you know, uh, Johannes Vogel, one of the most thoughtful people on the German political scene, um, and uh, uh, maybe he was shocked when I said that. I don't know, judging by your reaction. But um, I'm really glad we had this chance to uh, talk uh, today. And you know, I think it's uh, going to be extremely uh, interesting for our listeners to to hear your views and about uh, where this uh, relationship is going to go forward. The pleasure was all mine. So, and we look forward to having all of you with us on the next episode of the Zeitgeist. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast produced by the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Send us your feedback by email to info at AICGS.org or catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AICGS. Don't forget to check out AICGS.org for more information from today's episode. Auf Wiederhören.